Um, okay, uh, I recommend that you um, keep this prayer of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to really, I'm going to ask that you try and remember to read it, uh, to pray it before you do the readings this entire year, so that you take, you know, two minutes before you plunge into reading the books or reading the catechism to read this prayer, so that you never begin this process in a purely intellectual way where it's just your own reason, but that you bring invite the Holy Spirit who is so polite he will not inter- he won't intervene uh, if you don't invite him in but like a vampire yeah, like a vampire no actually you know he can't come in unless you let him in yeah um, so um, I think um, he can I knock off Bilal though <laughs> yes he can so please do uh, try that and, and I think it will it'll change the nature of this study for you if you begin that way all right, um, so what are we going to do? Um, I have a few things to hand out. Now, this is not the schedule that we are going to be using, but the syllabus is still getting reworked according to the time. This is uh, like the syllabus that we will be using in the uh, studies that we're going to cover. Now, uh, we're, we're starting earlier than, than we've gotten our act together before, which is good. So what we're going to do from pretty much now until... Advent is read the Gospel together, the Gospel of Matthew, and use it. Going to read it in a catechetical way. So we probably we might have some readings from the Catechism to go along with the Bible. But uh, I I can't see starting this process without just reading through the Gospel in um, together and reminding ourselves that this the center of what we're doing is a person. It's not. And it's nothing else but that. And it's this person um, who we are going to be um, doing everything in light of. So the idea of kind of going through it with a Catholic sense uh, of the scriptures and talking through things um, is, I, I think, the way we're going to... Some nights, some probably won't have anything to say. Sometimes it'll just be check. But uh, other times it'll be cool to see what comes out of a just kind of straight read of the of the gospel from a cat you know in a catechetical sense. Okay, so we're going to do that, and we're going to give you a couple books to read. Um, hopefully, between also to go along with that, because the readings aren't very long. They're just like you know six or seven chapters a week, which is not it's a page and a half, maybe two pages. So we will also be doing a couple of books that we want you to read to kind of get things going. Um, and um, we really, this program is very much integrated with stories, um, uh, movies, uh, books. Actually, here's a list of some of the books that we're going to be using and then um, some of the movies. But most of these we're not going to be able to do in class. So what we've done is add them here because I really want to recommend that you take this process um, to heart over this next uh uh, what is it? I guess how many months is it? Three, six, nine to ten months. Some that we're going to be spending together. Um, and if you, if you really say, you know what, this for these nine months of my life, instead of reading that airport pot boiler or watching Desperate Housewives, <gasps> what? I know. Instead of doing that, I am going to fit a couple hours a week in of reading from this list. It will just help. If you make this process an intense one, there's two theories of how impact is made in life, in either human life or human society. And one theory is a very slow, like, drip drop over a long, long period of time. So you have the, uh, you know, the 
you know, I forget which, whatever, that, that well, that's how the, the, you know, the Grand Canyon was um, worn down, you know, a water passing over for millions of years gradually creates this thing. So that's one way. The other way is, um, is to do something in an intense way. Uh, my father used to talk about you can either in the boxing ring you can either like, go at somebody kind of <laughs> relentlessly for 14 rounds or you can give them the mother punch <laughs> in the in the first round and knock them out you know and both wins the fight uh, so it's the same kind of thing in these nine months uh, we are going to look at it as nine months out of your life and we want it to be an intense time but that's all going to depend on you and what you make of this. Um, this moment could be for you a benchmark, um, e whether you become Catholic or not. You know, it, it's, this is going to be a serious study of uh, the Christian faith. And so, um, if, you know, it's, it's all going to depend on what you do with it. And we're going to have some cool classes. We're going to give you a lot of cool things. We're going to make a lot of suggestions, but it's all going to be you. And honestly, I promise you, if you take it seriously, if you, if you read the stuff we're we're, we're asking you to, if you brood over the, the questions that we're going to present um, and really try and, uh, and participate and, and force yourself to engage, you will be, uh, you'll be in a different place in nine to ten months. I, I promise it. So someone told me once, and I was in a miserable state, okay, I, I can fix you. And I was like, why don't you fix me? And she's like, well, I can help. She's like, go to Mass every day for a month for 30 days and then we'll meet on this day. She said, but you have to do it. <laughs> and I was like, are you out of your mind? I was in college and I was in my crisis of faith mode. And she said, we will talk on this day, I promise you, a month from now, but I can't talk to you yet. I need you to do this thing. And I was like, you know, a man in a dress, you know. And that was my, you know, all I could see when I went to church. What's that about, you know? And but I, I really, um, I did it because I trusted that person was good. And it was a benchmark for me. Uh, the experience of the month of prayer and the scriptures, and then just being there open to whatever was going to happen. And it was kind of weird, but it, it worked. And for me, it was a benchmark. So I really encourage you to um, enter into this. So, hence the list. <coughs> These are some of the greatest classics of uh, most of these are not are fiction, and most of them are 20th century. There's a few that aren't, like Dante's Inferno and the Brothers Karamazov is close to being 20th century. Um, all the others are 20th century. There's a reason for that. We want to convince you that, that this stuff is not an old-fashioned thing, but that these artists, as all of you are artists, um, these artists were uh, very much engaged in this stuff, took it seriously, and brought it to their art, and then these stories uh, came out of that experience. All of them struggled uh, with different things, but uh, they, uh, they have you know, become part of your legacy. So uh, the idea of uh, reading something like Walker Percy or Evelyn Waugh, Flannery O'Connor, um, honestly, I think just reading this stuff, you really get a sense of being part of a family that's a really smart, cool family. <laughs> and they also, uh, they articulate what you're going to be articulating first to yourself. They're going to be, you're going to be wrestling with stuff. So um, the interesting thing is that if you gave this list of books to many, say, average Catholics in the pew, they would think they're heretical. 
you know, silence. If you give that to people in the pew, a lot of them would think it's an anti-Catholic book. Uh, the moviegoer, to some extent, the same. Um, certainly the power and the glory. A lot of Flannery O'Connor. Even Brideshead. You know, these are books that really, um, they, they are struggles on paper. But, but the light of, of the faith is uh, there very strongly in all of them. So uh, read these books, enjoy them. I have to warn you, we are most of us out of the practice of reading well. So you might have to, it might be hard going in some ways because these are elegant writers. They have great vocabularies and they are thinkers. So, but I promise you, if you read these, if you could read one of these a month, by the end of these nine months, you, you'll be in a different place. I, I guarantee it, if you really engage them. So we're going to encourage you to try and make time for spiritual reading. Spiritual reading is an indulgenced act <laughs> by the church. Let's starting off, we're going to start off, Will, on the right foot here. <laughs> but what is an indulgence? We're going to talk about it later. But then church, basically an indulgence is the church says, if you do these things, you will be better. <laughs> so, so, you know, that's kind of the principle of an indulgence. You'll spend less time in purgatory if you do these things. And, and that's because you are going to, they're going to have a positive impact on you. And so there is an indulgence if you spend 30 minutes, I think it's a week, in spiritual reading. That just 30 minutes a week will make you better, will help you. Okay. So please, please pick some out and do them. In fact, I'm probably thinking that what I'd love to do is have um, each of you pick one that you're going to read intentionally. You, I'd love for you to read as many as you can, but I'd say, like, I would love for you to each pick one and then be the lead presenter in the class that day when we discuss that book because you're the one who, you know, who read it particularly carefully. So, so maybe take some time this week, if you can, go on internet um, and find out what little bit about some of these. If one of them really, you're like, wow, I've always wanted to read that book and you want to be the head person, um, that's, that would be great, okay? So uh, take a look. Um, then I have a list here of recommended Catholic thinkers. And this is for those of you who are particularly ambitious, uh, who might want to do more reading, um, and these are not necessarily, these are not novelists, with the except, a couple of exceptions. Okay. Chesterton did both. Um, who else did both here? I think Chesterton's the only one who did both, uh, fiction and nonfiction. Uh, these are some names of your older brothers and sisters in the faith who are, um, who have written on pretty much everything. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you want to go to a bookstore and pick something out, check it up, go up to Amazon, uh, you know, do some, you know, search under any of these names. Uh, these people would be cool for you to become familiar with. Uh, most it, it, of them. Just, just as a side, sure. I own all Merton. Good for you. So if anybody wants to borrow cool. from Merton. Oh, that's a great idea. That's, a I can take them out. that's very nice. Yeah, if someone hasn't read Seven Story Mountain, I would recommend it. Or What is Contemplation? It's, um, it's one of the best Excuse short. Questions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think one of contemplation was I, I spent a year using that book quite a lot, and uh, it, it helped me a lot. It's it's simple and and short, but um, these are yeah. Can you give like a mm -hmm. like if I want to when you begin with an author, you know, mm -hmm. it's usually you like do orthodoxy first. You right. Know what I mean, like mm -hmm. half these I don't know. You know. Yeah. So Dorothy well, Day would be Long Loneliness. It's a great yeah. biography of a woman who is 
an anarchist started out as a communist anarchist and mm -hmm. moved into the faith. Yeah, she she was great. Uh, um, I, we could we could go. I could spend the whole time kind of going down the list here. Um, it depends on really what you're looking for. You know, each one of them. Some of them are more just uh, like Frank Sheed's apologetics. He was he was the founder of the Catholic Evidence Society, which in England in the post-war period they would get soapboxes and set them up in the squares in Piccadilly <laughs> and stand there and, and engage. And, and Frank Sheed was the one who was famous for an atheist screamed out at him, "If I were God, I could have made a better world." And Sheed said, "Well, indeed." Well, can you just make a rabbit for confidence sake? <laughs> you know, so Sheed uh, was is brilliant, and his, his book is called, um, the one that's, that's really still in print and still a bestseller is called Theology for Beginners. And, uh, so, you know, the language might be slightly dated. He was writing in the 40s and 50s, but uh, he's just brilliant and witty and, uh, you know, great. College uh, chum of Thomas Merton, by the way. I'm sorry? College chum of no, yeah. Thomas Burton. Yeah. I missed the first time we said College chum. She college is a college chum. Sheed, yeah. Yes. Uh, and actually married a woman no. named Maisie Ward, and together they started a press called Sheed and Ward, which um, is no longer Catholic, but was at one point the, the premier Catholic uh, publishing house. Uh, Dorothy Day, of course, is a social justice writer, particularly, but The Long Loneliness is her story, and it is an incredible story. I worked on a movie when I first moved out here called Entertaining Angels, which is part of her her conversion story, which you might, I didn't put it on the list, but it should be there. You might want to rent Entertaining Angels. And, uh, we might have you get a piece of that? I <laughs> know. I wish. I should. I deserve it. No, I don't. No, I don't deserve it. I own the VHS tape of that if anybody would want Sure, and we have it at the Act One Library, too, if anybody ever wants that. Um, Chesterton, you know what it might be cool is to set up a little library for the duration, oh, yeah. you know, of this kind of thing here, Father, so people could check out videos or DVDs and, you know, um, you know or books. Has. Right, yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Like I have a lot of unused. Cool. We've got some Chesterton and, again, mm -hmm. I, I have all the Merton. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. I mean, some of these are mm -hmm. spiritual writers. Um, some of them are theologians. Christopher West is a moral theologian, but he's like a pop moral theologian, and um, he writes about sex from the church's uh, from the church's perspective, and he does a very good job. He's very thorough. He's very readable. Um, Chesterton, of course, is our C.S. Lewis, um, and then some. Uh, he is probably done more to swing evangelicals over into the Catholic Church than any other writer because I think they get so far with Lewis and then Chesterton becomes the ne the next challenge and and once you've read orthodoxy what do you where do you go you know I, I there's a, my friend uh, Scott Derrickson he's a director he just had this movie um, Emily Rose and he came up to me about a year ago and he's like reading Chesterton it's blowing my mind and I was like anytime you want to talk Scott and he's like I can't talk to you my wife's having a baby she's an elder at the church <laughs> I can't talk to you I can't talk to you but then he gave an interview to um, I just told him I said you're one Chesterton book away Scott you know so he gave an interview to uh, religion news service and he actually said you know my friend Barbara Nagosi says that I'm one Chesterton book away from becoming a Catholic. It's <laughs> 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 funny. It's like he's got it in his brain. But, I mean, Chesterton is delightful if, you're, um, if that's your taste. He's tough sometimes, but if you want an intro to Chesterton, read his autobiography of St. Francis. Have you ever read it? Yes, oh, um, yes. Or St. Thomas. We have that, actually. St. Thomas's one is called The Dumb Ox. 
and uh, the one of Francis is called Francis of Assisi, and then um, then there's the Father Brown mysteries, which were written by Chesterton as a response to Arthur Conan Doyle's pagan materialist detective Sherlock Holmes. So he decided he was going to write. I didn't know it was in response. Oh to yeah, that? there was oh. a big movement um, of, in apologetics around the mystery story in the first part of the 20th century. So you had Dorothy Sayers doing Lord Peter mm-hmm. Whimsey, and you had Chesterton doing Father Brown. Uh, you had the um, uh, you had the the lion was Arthur Conan Doyle, Sherlock Holmes, who solved all the mysteries for circumstantially as though man was material. And so Brown and then Lord Peter Whimsey solved them from inside the human heart because man has spirit. But it was a, this, this very smart discussion using art. Um, I did not know that. Yes, yeah. So, uh, okay. This is why we want to Yeah, <laughs> I'm here. So anyway, when you read those books, uh, it's kind of it's very impressive to kind of realize that's what they were doing. But that's another in- good intro to, fa- to uh, Chesterton is to read Father Brown. My personal favorite Chesterton is um, one called uh, the the um, everlasting man. No, uh, I love that one, which was a response to Darwinism. Um, if you if you want to deal with Darwinism, read the Everlasting Man by Chesterton. Um, it's the um, Notting Hill. The um, it, I just call it Notting Hill, but it's uh, anyway. I, I'm, I don't know what's going on with my brain lately, but anyway, it's my favorite Chesterton. It's hysterical. Um, weird historical. Like you always feel like you've been on drugs at the end of some of his fiction. But um yeah. Yeah. That's right, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um the next one uh see Hans Hans von Balthasar, heavy, heavy, deep theologian, was known as Carol Watia's favorite theologian. Um being the Pope previous Pope. Um I when I first read Hans von von Balthasar when I was in the novitiate I thought he was a heretic. That's how good he is. Wow. <laughs> uh, again, I, I was horrified that they had assigned me to read this guy because I thought he was, you know, heretic. That I found out, no, he's actually much more Catholic. <laughs> you know, so um, <coughs> that's good. He's pretty heavy to read, but if you want intense, serious theology, it would it would be a step for you to kind of move up to. Uh, Maritain is um, another one of those greats from the 40s and 50s, and um, his. Uh, just a uh, a little deeper theologian, like he's the, the step between um, above Frank Sheed, um, but very readable. Maritain is not um, inaccessible as a theologian. I love reading him, so he would be one to check out. Groschel is a spiritual writer. He's a psychologist. He's a Franciscan ca- uh, reform, and he was a Capuchin, and he's from Bronx. He ran Children's Village, which is the the place where uh, really emotionally disturbed kids go in New York. And he ran this for years, but he's got a PhD in psychology. And he used to hear my confession in New York City because he was my spiritual director. And I was running a bookstore at the time, and he would call me up in the middle of the day and say, Sister, I'm coming over around 1. I'll hear your confession. Order me a sandwich. (laughs) And so um, he'd come slapping in in the snow with his sandals and his things and come in, and he had this big old beard and everything. And... And, and he said, all right, come on. And we go in the back room, and uh, he would be in such a rush because he was always going to different things. <laughs> so we'd be like, all right, go ahead. I'm going to eat my sandwich. Oh. <laughs> so one time, I'll never forget, hearing my confession, and, you know, and, and, um, and so at a certain point he goes, 
all right, I'm going to tell you something. And he had a, an onion, <laughs> like, dripping down, like, to about here, swinging back and forth. And then he, he's like, listen, let me tell you something. And he gives me one of the most profound statements ever about community life and this thing, you know, with the onion swinging <laughs> off the beer. Love him. Fabulous. So anything where it's, it's the, the relationship between psychology and spirituality, Benedict Groeschel is one of the best out there. He's, again, very eminently readable. Um, his book that would be interesting for you to read is called Spiritual Passages. I believe it's called that. And um, which is, uh, there was a book called Passages, which was a pop psychology book in the um, mid-80s, I guess, or late-70s. But he wrote this one, Spiritual Passages, which is beautiful. Uh, really helped me tremendously. And then we got Merton, of course, who's one of the most famous converts of the 20th century. Um, made it all the way and maybe almost made it out but died before he could get himself out. So, <laughs> you know, really interesting, complex character who's an artist and a beautiful writer. Um, John Bunyan started the L'Arc movement, the L apostrophe A-R-C-H-E in France. Uh, it is a community all over the world now. There are many of them uh, where people live with the mentally and emotionally ill. And he wrote from that place of people kind of living together as brothers and sisters with people who were um, the, the kind that we usually turn our face from. It would be like, you know, scooping up ten homeless people and living with them as a family and um, keep at the table as a family. It's a really absolutely radical Christ-like thing. He's a philosopher and um, a, you know, scholar, but love, just lovely. Uh, his, my favorite book of his is called Community and Growth. And that book has actually was the um, the book out of which we modeled the Act One program, but nobody knows. <laughs> but uh, community and growth uh, is a benchmark for me. Um, what, you got would you, what would you start with, with for Merton? Um, Merton is this the sev the seven story mountain, and then a book called What is Contemplation? Is there another one that you particularly? Um, like uh, seeds of contemplation. Seeds of contemplation. Yeah, okay. and mm -hmm. and I like disputed questions. It, okay. It's disputed questions. Disputed questions. Cool. And mm -hmm. but I mean, uh, sure. That, that's that, where you're coming. Seven Story yeah. Mountain is a great place to start. In yeah. Terms of reading Martin. I used to I used to go uh, on a pretty regular basis up to the Abbey of Gethsemane in Kentucky. Yeah, I went there to see his grave there. and. Uh, the day I went, it was just pouring rain, and I said, I'm here to see Thomas Merton's grave, and the porter's like, well, I'm not going out there in the rain. It's through the back. And, and so he booked you. <laughs> <laughs> I splashed out there, and have you seen it, the, oh, the yeah. grave? Yeah. yeah. And it's just plain crosses, and then he's like, it's Brother Lewis, and, but there's no Thomas Merton on his grave or anything. It's just like one of these anonymous crosses mm. with Brother Lewis on it in the middle of the road, which to me so edifying. I, I thought that was really mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. I particularly love the way that he kind of left and came back and, you yeah. know, in his journey. Yeah. You know. Yeah, he definitely um, he was a character. Yeah. Probably shouldn't have been a Cistercian, but God love him, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, Edith order. Stein it was just uh, canonized. She was probably uh, the second or third greatest philosopher of the 20th century uh, in the church, I believe. Um, her philosophy was called phenomenology. And she was also, she was a Jewish pagan who, I mean, Jewish heritage, but she is a pagan. And then she was a feminist uh, and then met some Lutherans who 
gave her some Teresa of Avila to read. Edith Stein was a genius philosopher, but she was never getting the jobs because she was a woman. Mm. The men who were not half as smart as she were, she studied under Husserl, who was the, f the leader of the phenomenology movement, which is, phenomenology is basically a movement in philosophy to restore the spiritual dimension of um, existence and of learning, of knowledge. Was that, isn't that what um, Deschardins was? Deschardins, um, you know, he was a lot of things, um, <laughs> but he, I would not really say he was a philosopher. But was know. it, was yeah. phenomenology, am I thinking of the wrong No, word? I wouldn't call him a phenomenologist. No. He was, he was like a 20th century transcendentalist more than anything, you know, but, um, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in Deschardins, but I think, frankly, um, I think he's overrated. But she was like a classical, really serious philosopher, so... Uh, Edith Stein then um, read her way from Teresa of Avila into um, the Catholic Church, ended up doing translations of Thomas Aquinas' Summa, became a Carmelite, um, and then was uh, carted off at Auschwitz where she was uh, martyred. And she is considered a martyr because she purposely uh, put herself in a position. She could have fled when they knew things were coming and she moved to another country but then she had they saw that it was going to uh, be overrun and she stayed as an offering for her people so she's considered a martyr she was canonized so she's now Saint Teresa Benedicta of the Cross but her name is Edith Stein and, and the, the book to read of Edith Stein's that is so cool would be called Life in a Jewish Family which is not her, one of her philosophical books her philosophical books are tough but Life in a Jewish Family is basically the story of the Jewish... If you want to understand the Jewish people's mind, it's that book. She's writing from that place. Okay. Lutherans gave her Teresa Babel? The Lutherans the did, yeah. One. And then she went too far. <laughs> but uh, it's kind of great. <laughs> Father Barron um, is a friend of ours. Uh, he's taught at Act One several times. He's a scholar and a theologian. And um, what, what, are his, what would you rank his kind of uh, work? Um, it really, it's... I think it's more popular theology, very readable, but draws heavily on some of the literary characters that are up above. Mm -hmm. He's a big Flannery O'Connor and But even, even pop music to some extent. Mm -hmm. So he's quick to find the Catholic, the Catholicity in popular culture mm -hmm. and great read. He's, a, he's very good, yeah. Scott Hahn is a Wait, probably... Wait, the title? Um, the Strangest Way. Um, he has a new one out, can't think of what it is. Transformation of Man. Scott Hahn is probably the leading <coughs> scripture scholar, um, or one of them, in the country right now. And I say popular scripture scholar. He's not a Raymond Brown who uh, was a theologian scripture scholar. Scott is somebody who uh, people like us would read, and it would um, help us understand the scriptures better. Uh, so uh, he's got a million books. One of them is called Rome is Home, I think. Rome which is Sweet Home. Rome, Rome Sweet Home, oh, yeah. Oh, my mom just finished that. Yeah, which is Scott's um, and his wife's journey from being Presbyterian pastors to into the Catholic Church. Uh, Scott's a good friend, and uh, he's a very, um, you know, he's, he's just a, he's a very readable guy. So on scripture, I recommend Scott. Carl Rahner's my favorite um, theologian from the conciliar period. Uh, I've got to move here faster, but um, Henry de Lubac is tough, heavy theology, um, you know, ecclesiology, especially that stuff about the church. Um, Nowen is a spiritual writer. 
is a book called Reaching Out that uh, I recommend you might read. Another one is called The Genesee Diaries, uh, which is beautiful. He basically went to a Cistercian monastery and lived there for a year. And then it's Genesee. Genesee? Genesee. Oh, that's the name of the place. It's the place, right. No, the Gethsemane is where Merton was. Genesee is in New York. G-E-N. G-E-N-E-S-E-E. And it's basically his kind of over this year of living in an absolute silent monastic setting, um, what God said to him. And it was, again, it was a benchmark moment for him this year, the way, um, you know, because he, he wanted it to happen and, and he was open to it. So now he's written many, many books. He's got shelf a shelf or two at any Catholic bookstore. He's also read by a lot of Protestants. Um, and, uh, you know, for, for me, reaching out was one that particularly helped. Uh, Ratzinger is one of the premier theologians of our time, and he happens now to be Pope. Um, but some of his books, uh, there, there's three books that were interviews with him, long interviews, and one of them impacted me profoundly called The Ratzinger Report, which is back in the early 80s, but this book kept me in the church. It, I felt like it gave me a direction, like I knew at the age of 19 what I needed to do. And there's not a lot of books that do that, but he's he is so much different than the the previous pope. I found the previous pope very difficult to read, um, and I had had I've had theology and philosophy, and I could barely follow him. I, I couldn't just couldn't keep my attention. Ratzinger keeps my attention, and <coughs> um, maybe it's because he's not a philosopher; he's just a theologian. So not say just a theologian, but he's a theologian. So he's um, not as um, I don't know. I, I found J- John Paul II very circular. I find um, Ratzinger, very direct and clear. So check out some of his stuff. He's written some wonderful things about art. In fact, uh, yeah, I gave a talk on, yeah. on that. Yes, and just wonderful stuff on art. And the last one in there is Peter Kreeft, who is the C.S. Lewis of our time, I think. Uh, Kreeft is out of Boston College, and he's a philosopher, and um, he's a philosopher more than a theologian, but he's a philosopher with a Catholic heart. He writes very funny, witty, uh, clever things, and he's written many, many books. So go and search Peter Kreeft online, and you see all of them are enjoyable. He's just a, a delightful writer and a very profound guy. Yeah, he reminds you of a cross between Lewis and Chesterton. Um, he's actually going to be the closing speaker at Act One next year. He's a surfer, so he's coming out to surf. <laughs> and so we're going to get them cheaper. So um, Okay, and then finally, there's the films down there. Some of them that I would recommend when you need to rent or watch a movie, please go for one of these first. And even if you've seen them, go for them again in this time as part of what we're doing here. Okay? But you should, you know, see them all by the end of these ten months. Um, and uh, and then you know we can certainly talk about them as we go. A few of them we're gonna are definitely gonna relate to certain classes. Okay. All right. So that's the recommended supplement thing. Um, just quickly through the the uh, curriculum that you have there. So what are we gonna cover? Um, what time is it there? It's 8:30. Okay. We're gonna stop at nine. So um, we gotta run through the beatitudes. Uh, the, pro- the program's going to proceed that from the Gospels to then we go into Advent and we will talk a little bit about the season of Advent and the liturgical seasons then um, and kind of lay that out. Uh, then we're going to study um, Scripture, uh, literally Scripture and tradition. What does the Catholic Church believe about this book and why do, what is this sacred tradition thing? Because we kind of have to uh, cover that um, early on and actually we should do it before we even go into Matthew. 
Um, no, 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 no. We'll keep it where it is. Um, we'll just read the the scriptures. Um, uh, un, you know, untheologized. Has that. <laughs> uh, so, but then we'll talk about what is God, who is God, um, the Trinity. Um, then it's 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 got an order to it. It moves through. Um, uh, prayer comes right after scripture because you're going to be needing to do that. Faith. Uh, then the people, the persons of the Trinity, Christ, uh, the Spirit. Um, then we hit personhood. What is a person? What is man? Why we're, you know, how are we different? Uh, human freedom. And then from freedom we talk about conscience um, and grace then. And the church. And then we'll go through the sacraments. And then we'll take the commandments. Um, and, um, and then we'll talk about a couple of particular things like church history, the last things, and um, I think the social, social teachings of the church. So pretty much in that process, everything will be touched on, hopefully. Okay?